Sometimes when you get away from this place, it seems like you want to come running back to it about as quick as you got away. So uh, we hope that God will speak to you today and that his word will be pleasant to your hearing. I imagine there's a lot of things been spoke from pulpits all over the world where people do not understand what's being said. I watched some interesting video from the mission work in Africa when Brother Jim Madison and Brother Joe Martin and Sister Rebecca Martin and others went over. And even Anthony Buzzard went. And as they began to speak to the people, they spoke in our language, in uh, English. But they had to be translated into the language of the African nation. And you could watch these people with their English enthusiasm, like Brother Anthony, he speaks with a very uh, definite English enthusiasm, and watch these other people as they begin to translate what was being said to these people. And they span the crowd every once in a while while they were doing this, and you would watch the people so interested in what they were saying in English. But you would watch them begin to smile when they began to hear it in their own language. They were so amazing. They were so serious to listen to the English because they wanted to try to listen to every word and hear it and understand it. But when they were heard it in their own language, their whole demeanor was changed. There was really a real movement of, of the word of the Lord in that time. Now Jesus, when he spoke to the Jews, the Bible says he spoke in parables. Now sometimes we, we wonder what a parable is. It is a, in some places some have said that it is a dark saying. In other words, a saying that is not understood completely. In other words, it takes a lot of work to figure it out. It's, it's kind of like some of the, some of the things that often we, the riddles. We've had riddles, you know, riddles we've done and, and oftentimes we look at them and we just think and think and think and think and think and eventually I have to turn a page and find the answer. Because a lot of times I can't figure the blooming things out. So I kind of cheat just a little bit. I'll turn a page and look and see, well, that sounds pretty good. And then turn it back and do another one. And sometimes I, I can figure them out. But Jesus was speaking to the Jews and to the scribes and Pharisees, and he was speaking to them in parables, or in many respects, kind of dark sayings. And he says in verse 24 of Matthew 13, he says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in his field. Now that's not hard to understand. I sow half-runner beans, I expect half-runner beans. I sow corn, I expect corn, you know. It's, not, it's no problem with that. I can understand that part real good. But then he says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. There's nothing more devastating to a gardener, and I'm one of them, than to have weeds in your garden. They're the pesciest thing that ever God ever let come upon man, and sin brought it all to us, and we don't like it a bit. I don't. I can't wait till I get to my kingdomly place in the new heavens and the new earth, and there's not no weeds there, so I can put out a nice, nice garden to look at and, and partake of. But he said, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. 
Now he goes on to say, he said, But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. I didn't plant one weed in my beans. But I think everything that, that could be resurrected got resurrected around in beans. I go down through the earth with my garden tractor and I play all just as close as I can to the beans so I annihilate every weed I can. Now I got a little remedy for it. I, all the time that my trees are falling in the fall, I gather leaves and grass clippings. So now I've plowed it up and I've got all the weeds out of the way. I go in and I put we uh, put my leaves and grass clippings down the side. Well, they have a real struggle getting up through all that mess. And the little beans stand out there nice and warm, growing right up through all that. And you know, every once in a while I have a weed in there. But see, the thing about it is if he struggles enough to get through that uh, leaves and those clippings, I can pull him up gingerly. And he's not really tied into the ground. If you leave that thing out there long enough, he'll get tied into the ground and the ground will get baked and it almost takes a hammer to get the, the weed out. So I've developed a plan and it works pretty good. But he's telling us something here and he's, he's telling this, he says, he said, so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didn't thou sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath the tares? And he said unto him, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest that while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. I have pulled up a nice big old skunk cabbage. Now them things are the meanest thing that ever growed here and yonder. And what they do with their roots, if they get into a row of what you're planting, they, their roots grow under what you're planting. And so if you start pulling that fella out of there and get real on him, you know, and just tear to get him out of the ground, what do you do? He's right under three or four nice plants. And you're going to undermine them while taking him out. I got a magic remedy for him. I carry a straight edge, a nice box cutter. Guess what he gets? Right off even with the ground. Pull him up and walk him out to the edge of the garden and throw him down. Sometimes I get so aggravated I stomp him just a little so he won't have any more problems. But he says of this thing, he said, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said to him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest we gathering up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. I don't let many weeds grow to my harvest. I don't do that. I am what you call a weed-hammering crazy man. I hammer them, I cut them, I spray them, I pour anything I can on them, and I try to kill them as much as possible, if more, not more. Now, Jesus is giving a parable here to show something, not only to the Jewish nation, which he's saying this in dark sayings, because he wants them to figure it out on their own. You know, sometimes I wish people would figure out the message of eternal life on their own and seek more perfectly what God has for them in the kingdom of God.
But you know, today I've found out one thing about people. They want everything handed to them. Handed to them. They don't want to figure out anything. The thing about it is, anymore we've ever learning, but we're never able to come to what God's truth is saying to us. We know everything. We know everything about even the Bible, some say. But the thing about it is, we're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of God and His Son Jesus and eternal life. What did the man say? Let them both grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say unto the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. You ever had a pile of debris from the garden that you burned? I enjoy it. I, I literally enjoy it. I pile it up, I ignite it, and I stand there and smile as every one of them. I hear it pop, I hear it popping, I hear it cracking. I see the old skunk cabbage watching there just rolling up and turning into nothing after I burn all of it to pieces. Somebody says, you enjoy burning weeds? I enjoy destroying the destroyer. I enjoy doing away with the thing that draws strength out of everything that I'm trying to bring forth. And that is why one day in this great wonderful plan of God, when God judges the world and everybody is judged and everybody is thrown into the lake of fire, the one I want to see go in is Satan himself. Because I will enjoy, the somebody says, you are going to be enjoying the kingdom. I think I'll have a smile on my face when I see him roll over in that. I really believe I will. Not a smile of glee, but a smile of relief that there will be no more power of evil reigning on the earth anymore. Now Jesus says, given to you is to be, know the keys to the kingdom. You ever had a set of keys that you had and, and knew wherever one of the locks were? I got a drawer full of keys and no place to put them. Over years of ministry and everything, I've done keys. I sat down and tried to figure them out one day and forget it. I don't remember where they go. I don't know where they are. So basically, they're just keys. But I carry me two sets now and one set in each pocket because I've had a tendency to be locked out of my house and locked out of my truck. So now I have a preparatory plan. I have a set here. That unlocks everything, and i got to set over here in case I lose them. So I've got two pair of everything. Somebody says, that sounds just a little bit ridiculous. No, for a man my age, that's a perfect plan. Because I don't get locked out of the house, and I have to call Becky. Will you come and please let me in the house? Oh, I'm over here at... I'm over here at Food Line and I lock my keys in the truck. Can you come and get me? Mm -mm. I try not to let that happen to me. And just as sure as I've told you that, it'll happen. Then Jesus turns around and he says, It's given to these disciples. He's, he sent the multitude away. And the Bible says in the 36th verse of this same chapter, He sent the multitude away and went into the house. And His disciples came unto Him saying, Declare unto us, 
the parable of the tares of the field. And he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. You know the Lord Jesus is in this house, in this place, on this day, by the Holy Spirit. He is sowing seed in the hearts of people that have come to this place to hear the Word of God. He is sowing seeds in the lives of our children, in our very lives, in the very heart of that we believe in God. Listen to what he said. He said, the field is the world. Now, what did the Bible say? Go you into all the world and do what with it? And what's going to happen? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So saith the word of God. The field is the world and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. Do you consider yourself a good child of the kingdom? You really believe that you're a child of God. I expected the whole place to go up in amens, but I didn't hear one little squeak. It's like a mouse factory out there. Do you know that you are a child of God and that you are the child of the King? Who are you? Ah, finally. You need coaching, but it's good that you said it. He says, sure, he says, the field of the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Do you know there is two kinds of people in this one? One who is serving God with all of his heart, all of his soul, all of his mind. That is the child of God. That person is living gloriously, victoriously in Jesus, and his or her name is written in the book of life. They are the children of what? The kingdom. Now listen. He said the terrors are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Woe, woe, and back up three woes. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. Now just as much as Jesus is busily sowing the word of truth and the word of God and the knowledge of the Almighty and the words concerning the kingdom of God at the end of the age, the devil is even more so in himself busy going about, sowing about terrors and unbelief. Now I read a little option on this thing. And I'm sure you've heard this definition before. That actually the tares that are in among the wheat look almost identical to the wheat. But there is a definite difference. I'll let you figure that out. That'll be the part of the sermon you need to figure out. But he's telling this thing. He said, the enemy that sowed him is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. Do you know that there is coming an end of this day when the sun goes down? And the beginning of another day when the sun comes up? Let me tell you, there's going to be a day when the sun goes down and goes out completely. And the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and we shall reign forever and ever. Tell me that's not an amen. He says the reapers are the angels. He shall send forth His angels with the sound of a trumpet, with that, to go from the four winds. What are they going to do? They're going to... Where are you going to go when you're raised from the dead? Straight up wherever you're at. That poor fellow down there on the lower side of the earth, he's going straight out to the bottom. That's not the bottom. That's the bottom. It's to me because I'm up here. 
But everybody else is going to go every which way. They're going to go this away, that away, and that away. And the Bible says that God, through His Son Jesus, and by the power of the Lord, will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds of heaven, from one end of earth to the other. Can you see that? Oh, I just put it in my little noggin and rolled it around. It looked pretty good. The thing about it is to see all God's angels suddenly, all the saints are coming out from every direction, every part of the earth. Suddenly they're all out here, and here come these beautiful, beautiful creatures, and they gather us together to take us word to the presence of the Lord, to the glory of His power, to reign with Him forever in the earth. Amen. The beauty of it. Jesus continues. And therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, and so shall be in the end of this world. You know what the end result of sin is? Death. You know how that death is going to be? In the lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Somebody says, don't you believe in eternal burning? The Bible does not teach of eternal burning. The Bible teaches that they're going to be burned up and left neither root nor branch. The Bible teaches that their punishment is to be destroyed from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That is the punishment of the wicked. They will be destroyed from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. But the righteous shall be gathered into the barns of the Lord into the storage house of the Lord. They will be in His kingdom and glory forever. Let's go on. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and them that do iniquity. What's going to happen to all the things that are bad? He says they're all going to be gathered out of His kingdom, all the things that offend and that do iniquity. There'll be a search on to destroy everything and to gather everything to destroy everything that would do any harm to anyone in the kingdom of God. They shall not hurt nor destroy and all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. There will not be anybody there that's going to hurt you or do anything. Do you know in most gatherings they tell us that there's someone in the crowd that should that should or, or should have a gun or some kind of harmful weapon. I don't think it's here, but they say that the statistics tell us that there is always in great gatherings there are several people that do have the potential of doing something harmful. My Bible tells me the only one I am to fear and reverence is God through Jesus Christ. No one else. My Bible tells me there's angels of God standing all around and their direction is this, to keep James, to watch over James, to hold James close to his father. They are surrounding everybody in this house. And their whole power is that they have the power to destroy the enemy before the enemy gets to you. The only thing about it is some of us open the door for the blooming enemy. Why we do that? Mm, there's, not enough, there's not a whole lot of intelligence in that, that right there. Then he says in 42, And shall cast them into the furnace of fire, 
There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Somebody says, don't scare people with this. I'm not scaring anybody with this. I want you to visualize that God is going to punish everyone that has done evil and wickedness. He's not going to tolerate it. Somebody said, why did he destroy all of Sodom? There was no hope for them. They would not listen. <clears throat> they would not try to understand. They did not want God's understanding. They had turned from the creature and turned from God the Father, the creator of all things, to the creature. And they had promoted their own lives in living ways that were displeasing to God. And God said, He sent destruction. Would He have saved the place? He said He would. But it was so bad that He didn't. You think the world is getting so bad that God can't save any more people? Do you think that? I don't think the doors of mercy are shut yet. I think my Jesus, high priest, the man of God who has given his blood to shed for the whole sins of the whole world, I believe he's still in the very presence of God. And as long as he is in the presence of God, God's mercy's doors are wide open. Anybody and everybody can come to know Christ Jesus as Lord and Master of their life. But let me say this. The very moment he says to Jesus, Return to the earth and gather to me my children. There will be no more repentance. There will be no more mercy. And there will be nothing but death to the wicked when he comes back. Now we draw these conclusions because we speak of the word of the Lord. We draw these conclusions because we know what God's testimony is. We know exactly what God is going to do. Has he kept anything secret from us? Was Jesus trying to hide this from the Jews? No, he warned them to figure out it on their own. They were knowledgeable enough. They were given the law. They were given the Spirit of God. They were given the anointing of God. They knew everything that was written in the book of the law. They should have figured out what he was saying. But you know what happened to them? They became terrors. And you know why I believe that? Jesus told him, he says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. I hope to the Lord that there's nobody in here that knows Satan as their father. If you have the inkling of that you might be in contact with him just a little, I think the altar of this church is the best place for you to be in the next few minutes. Because I only know one Savior, Jesus. And I only know one who can give you Salvation by His shed blood. Verse 43. This stuff is God's Word. Spoken out of the very mouth of the Son of God. Listen. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Where in the world is that? Phew. Let me tell you where that is. Where is the kingdom going to be? I got to talk to somebody while I was in Kentucky about the kingdom of God. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heavens shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Let me tell you where that's at. Daniel 7, 27. Does that not warm your heart? 
Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath a near to hear, let him hear. Are you open to what God is saying? Do you hear what God is saying? Are you letting God's word go where it ought to go? Do you know most people have got steel doors on their ears? You know who have, you know who have them put them on there? The devil. He don't want you to hear it. He don't want you to understand it. He don't want you to believe it. He don't want you to conform to it. He don't want your life to be any part of it. He wants to keep you from hearing the very Word of God. Because if you hear the Word, and the Word enters into your heart, and you believe the Word, then suddenly a transformation takes place. You repent of your sins. You become a child of God. You go down to the watery grave of baptism, and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus to live as one of the Lord's children. And soon and very soon Jesus comes and the heavens light up with the glory of the Lord and the Lord is going to call you up in the clouds to meet Him in the air and so shall you ever be with the Lord. Don't you wish the Jews had seen Him, what He was saying? Don't you wish that they could have heard His voice? He told him in one place, he says, you've heard my words, but you don't believe them. And he said, if you knew him who sent me and the words I speak, he said, you wouldn't be going about to kill me. It's amazing how people become the children of the devil and become tired, you know. It's amazing how the transformation happens. You know why it happens? It's unfaithfulness to church. It's unfaithfulness to Sunday school. It's unfaithfulness to be a part of the fellowship. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you see this day approaching, He says that you should meet together so much the more when you see it approaching. Don't you see Him coming? Don't you hear the sound of the trumpet that hardly is already getting ready to blow? Don't you hear the voice of God? Don't you hear the, the power of the Lord that is mustering all this together in the very essence of heaven itself? Don't you know that all these things will shortly come to pass? And then the Son of Man shall come with clouds of glory, with 10,000 times 10,000 of His Father's angels. And He will raise the sleeping dead. He will bring them up to Himself in the clouds to meet Him in the air. And the Bible says, God bless the Word of God. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Is the path getting brighter? Do you see where you're going? Somebody said to me the other day, I know where I'm going. He had the wrong plan. I won't talk about it, but he promised he had the wrong plan. He says, We will shine forth as the sun. My Bible tells me in Matthew 14 and 16 that the people in darkness have seen a great light. What have they seen? The rising of the sun. You ever watch the sun come up over the hill? You ever watch it break through the trees? You ever watch it come across the top of the trees and then that frosty grass, it just begins to melt it as it goes back? You ever watch that? Oh, it's just the prettiest sight in the world. Just to watch the sun come up. 
come over the top of the trees and in that frosty grass just starts to melt at the glowing of the sun. You and I, though this day might not end, if it does end, God bless it. But the thing about it is, what I'd like to see it happen is that suddenly, instead of turning in the blackness of midnight, it turns into the brightness of God's eternal glory. Somebody says, don't you see people are not ready for the Lord to come back? Let me tell you something. Like my mama used to put her arm around me and say, honey, I got something to tell you. And she draw me over our clothes. She says, I want you to listen. There were a whole lot of people died in Sodom that wasn't ready for the Lord to come. She said there were thousands and thousands and even millions of people that died in the day of Noah. She said, I feel bad for them, Jimmy. But she says they made your choice. You're going to make a choice today whether you want him in your life or whether you don't want him there. You're going to make a choice of whether you want to be saved or whether you don't want to be saved. You're going to want to make a choice whether you want to have eternal life or whether you want to have eternal death. You will make the choice. No one else is going to make that but you. I can't go down there and make it for my elder Paul Duncan. I can't go back out to George Brown and make it for him or Brother Gerald. I can't make it for anybody in this church. The decision is totally yours. What are you going to do with this one Jesus? Are you really going to serve him? Have you talked to him lately? Lord, I want you to fulfill your plan in me. Lord, I want you to make me what you want me to be. Not what I want to be. And Lord, I want to be that person that can go out and tell others about Jesus and that their lives will be changed unto eternal life. Oh, the devil will put all kinds of obstacles in your way, I promise. Because he's the prince of darkness. Did you not know that? Jesus is the prince of light. He is the Lord of light. The devil is the prince of darkness. He's trying his best to darken everybody's mind so eventually their life will be non-existence. Did the Jews ever understand this? I think some tried. If I read my Bible right, Nicodemus and some more of the other men came to Jesus and spoke to him and they did understand some of the things Jesus said. But do you understand what the Lord has said this morning? And do you really, well, you know, the shadow of a doubt, know about your life? Because there's tares and wheat growing together. And the harvest is the end of the world. She's going to stop. The harvest. And he will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven, even to the other. Are you ready for the Lord to come back to this place? <coughs> Would you like to get rid of all that burden and care and everything right now in the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power? Would you like to just shed it, just push it away?
it's up to you. Because it will not be my, me that will determine whether you're saved or not. It will not be with anybody else in this church whether you will be saved or not. But let me say this. The one who determines whether you live forever is sitting in your pew, in your clothes, occupying your life. As we come to sing a closing verse of a hymn, we invite you in the Spirit of the Lord to do those things that will keep your life in the center of His will and that you will find grace and mercy and salvation through and by His Son, Jesus Christ. The beauty of God's plan is that He's included everybody. He don't want to leave nobody out. He don't want nobody lost. He wants everybody to be right there in His kingdom and glory. Someone asked me, he says, why did He let Adam and Eve sin in the garden? The thing about it was, his plan was to put two people in there and let them make their own minds up whether they loved him or not or whether they wanted to serve him or not. Same thing he's doing for you right now. You make up your own mind whether you want to love him or not, serve him, or whether you don't want to. Choice is yours. But let me tell you this. Days of choosing are getting shorter. The time is just about finished. The Lord says His kingdom comes. In your prayer to Him, you tell Him, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Every time you say that, you're asking Him to come on, to send Jesus. Prepare yourselves. Get preparations made now. Because you won't have no ten-second warning. It'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. Lord, our life is in your hands. All that we are is yours. Many times, Lord, we feel like we're alone and by ourselves. But, Lord, we realize that all of heaven is with us. Lord, open up their eyes that they may see as Gehazi saw long ago. That they may see that all of heaven is with us. That we might be saved and we might be in your kingdom. Or be mindful of those that are not with us and those that are lost. And those, Lord, at this time whose hearts are turned towards sin, we ask you somehow, Lord, to intervene and help them find a way. Be with the services that will be here this afternoon. Comfort and bless all the family. And be mindful of every child and grandchild and great-grandchild. And bless all, Lord, and give them pain, freedom from pain. We pray, Father, that they might all know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, Thy Son. In Jesus' name.